We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. Hey, welcome to the gathering. If you would, remain standing and open your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 18 to 32. And while you are opening up that Bible of yours, just a quick reminder and announcement that tonight we will have um, the youth gather here at the church, uh, junior high in the fellowship hall, six o'clock, and uh, kids ages five to the junior high age, I think that's 10 or so, um, in here for kids worship, six o'clock to 730 Thank you, worship team. I, I needed those songs. Those That was beautiful. And thank you, church. What an encouragement to hear you sing. Romans 1, 18 through 32. And this is the word of the Lord. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so that so they are without excuse verse 21 for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Verse 24. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with men, forgive me, with women, and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceitful, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, verse 30. Slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. This is God's word. You may have a seat. And let's go ahead and pray one more time together. And so, Father, we come to you and ask for great wisdom and guidance. We thank you for your scriptures 
that every word is true, that it is a shield to those who trust in it? Would you use this passage this morning to strengthen us, to build up your church, to um, be a light into the darkness, to save the lost, to uh, adorn our hearts for you more? We thank you that your word is living and active and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And we ask that you would use it this morning for your purposes, not mine, not our neighbors, not what, what just, we just want it for you, Lord. So it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It was a big uh, week in the life of our country. Um, our president nominated um, one of the Supreme Court justices. Her name uh, is Amy Coney Barrett. I don't know if you saw that on the news, but uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. This is, this is how our president uh, verbalized this important and significant event. Like he, he listed all of her accomplishments, all of her academic and career achievements, he talked about how she was eminently qualified for this job. And then he said this, ready? Uh, Amy Coney Barrett has an unyielding loyalty to the Constitution of the United States. Amy Coney Barrett will decide cases based on the Constitution as written. Which is significant. And then he continued, being a judge takes courage. You are not there to decide cases as you prefer. You are there to do your duty and follow the law wherever it takes you. Well, our aim this morning um, is to do just that, uh, not to follow the Constitution of the United States, but to open up the book of the law and to follow it as written wherever it will take us. Amen? Are you, are you ready for that? I mean, it's a big deal. And so, um, just like in the court of law, uh, uh, not, not like the Constitution, but in the church, as God has written His Word, it is my job this morning uh, to present the Word to you. And so, in similar court and legal terms, this morning... I vow to you, like I solemnly swear to tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and so help me God, right? And I promise to you, with like a heart of, of prayer for you, and just to remind you, I promise that the goal of our teaching, the aim of it, has the instruction and the purpose of love. That's my commitment to you this morning. Last week we talked about the good news of Jesus Christ. How his righteous requirements were met in Jesus. That is the good news. And this week, we got to give you the bad news. This is what Paul does. He gives the bad news before us. The bad news that God's righteous wrath has been revealed. He's got to give you the bad news for you to love and appreciate the good news. Church, do you remember the image that we started out with? The square peg in a round hole? Remember that? Paul's going to tell us this morning that mankind is a square peg. He's going to share with us why we need Christ, why we need the righteousness of God. He's going to tell you this morning that you are a square peg, both you and I. So the title of this morning, uh, this sermon is The Reasons and the Results of the Wrath of God. The Reasons and Results of the Wrath of God. And there are two points to uh, be pegs for our time. This is how our time will be structured. Uh, point number one, reasons for his wrath. 
And we're going to take the first part of this passage, verses 18 through 23. And then the second point are the results of his wrath, which is the latter portion of the passage, verses 24 to 32. The reasons and results. Let's start with verse 18, and I'll read it again just to refresh our minds. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Okay, so wrath of God. Uh, perhaps it's been a while since uh, you've been a part of this discussion. Um, it's not often preached on. It's not necessarily popular, attractive, or even a pleasant thought at first to the modern day listener or ear. So what we're talking about when we say the wrath of God is God's anger. His righteous anger. If you want it in a sentence, here it is. That God intensely hates sin. His wrath is sourced in his holiness and perfection. And therefore, it is a necessary attribute to talk about as it relates to our God. And many people these days um, aren't into the wrath of God. Um, they're kind of like, ah, that's like Old Testament stuff. I'm more of like a New Testament guy. I kind of like the love of God. And so that whole wrath stuff is a thing of the past, right? Um, but friends, here we are in the New Testament, in the book of Romans, and we're reading about his wrath, and we're seeing that it is continually still being poured out. It's expressed, and it is explicit. Why? God is still holy. His standard hasn't changed. He's still faithful in all of his attributes, including his wrath. So friends, let me just share with you the standard of God's righteousness is the same. And the charge being brought against humanity is unrighteousness. This is verse 18. So why are we unrighteous again? Like, wow, Pastor Newman, you're going real deep, real quick. I know, but like, let's go for it, okay, church? Why are we unrighteous? Why are we unrighteous? So look at me and look at verse 18, okay? Paul says that we are unrighteous because we suppress the truth, okay? So, hey, have you ever been to a doctor? You know, you're sitting on the table. The doctor comes on up to you. He takes out one of those popsicle sticks, kids. You know what I'm talking about. And he says what? Open up and say, ah, right? And he jams that big old popsicle stick on your tongue and he pushes it down, right? And if you know me, if you've had lunch, you know, breakfast with me or whatever, you know that like I kind of like thinking about inventions. If you want to take this idea and run with it, I think someone should make an invention with popsicle sticks, flavored doctor sticks, right? Mint, bubble gum. Come on, why haven't they come out with that yet? Those things are gross, right? But that doctor pushes that tongue on down and he suppresses the tongue. And God is saying, we, humanity is unrighteousness, is unrighteous because we suppress something. What do we suppress? We suppress the truth. Our unrighteousness is revealed by the reality that we are truth suppressors. What does he mean? Look at verse 19 with me. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Okay? So what he's saying is that what is plain to everyone, he's asking essentially, Hey, what, what's plain to everyone? Like, what can everyone see? You don't have to reach very far for it. Like, what can you see that proves in a simple way that there is a God and you are not Him? It's, it's creation. 
Theologians call this general revelation. That God has revealed Himself generally through creation. So if you're taking notes, write down general revelation right on the margin of verse 19. And how this text plays out, um, even for you this morning, it goes something like this. You woke up this morning and you breathed in the fresh air of an Ohio fall, right? And God gave you that very air. He gave you the strength in your lungs to breathe it in. And you looked out and you experienced the fall. You noticed that the leaves were changing colors, that the leaves were falling. You experienced, if you got up early enough, the cold and the darkness, but then you started to experience the warmth of the sun. And you looked out and went, wow, I didn't have anything to do with that. I couldn't control that leaf that just fell. I can't control how the grass turns this color. I can certainly water it. I can try to tend to it. But I certainly don't have the strength or power or creativity or the inventive abilities to come up with grass. There's someone out there that's bigger than me, that's higher than me. And it ain't me. That's general revelation. And because this is true... All men are without excuse. All men, women, children are without excuse. And so we come to verse 21 and it says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Do you see that with me? So friends, people are exposed to God's general revelation and they suppress the truth that He is God. And their suppression or their, their holding down of the truth, this is not some passive action, but what Paul is telling us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is that it was a choice and they chose futile thinking and they chose darkened hearts. Here's how it plays out with like real flesh on it, okay? I remember having a conversation a number of years ago with my father-in-law and uh, he was telling me about a professional athlete that recently uh, chose to get on steroids, right? We were in the car. I was sitting shotgun. I've shared this story before, but it's worth mentioning again. He said, you know what, Mike? I'm just two bad decisions away from doing the same thing. And we both went, ha, 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 ha. That's right. We are. But how it particularly applies to this text is something like this is that you decide in your mind that you're not enough. You look in the mirror and you go, you know what? How God has made me, mm -mm. he made a mistake. And while like he did a pretty good job, I need to take matters into my own hands and change things in order to get what I want. And that belief is called futile thinking. And it first happens in the mind. It filters down to the heart. And then the next decision is going out and buying illegal drugs. And starting steroids. And that, my friends, is how it happens. And that's how it happens here. That's two decisions. The first decision is futile thinking. And it's futile in the sense that it's worthless and, and incorrect. And there's no truth in it. Or better said, there's a little bit of truth mixed with a little bit of false teachings. And that's why it's so important, brothers and sisters in Christ, to pray for and have discernment in life. 
Like discernment, as we say here, discernment isn't just knowing from right and wrong. That's kind of easy. But discernment, discernment is knowing right from almost right. What Paul is saying is that mankind hasn't accidentally slipped into choosing almost right. Mankind's heart is twisted and deceived and pursues and even loves deception. And so this active rebellion, mankind moves into this notion. He chooses active rebellion towards God. Just look at how these verbs start stacking onto each other. Look at how they build in verse 22, 20. I'll read it for us. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Verse 23. And exchanged, look at that active term. They exchanged the glory of immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So because God is jealous, he wants our worship and he won't share it with another. The exchange of glory causes our God anger. All right, so point number one. It's a cheery time, isn't it? But I promise, I promise to you, and I've been praying for you all week, that you would love God and cherish Christ more as a result of coming to church today and sitting under this word. Point number one was the reasons for God's wrath. And just a little refresher, his, his anger is because mankind is suppressing the truth. Point number two, here we go, the, the results of the wrath of God. So this is what happens when mankind suppresses the truth. Okay? Point number two, verses 24 to 23, the results of the wrath of God. All right, look at the Bible with me. We're just going to skip around a little bit. There's three times that Paul repeats the same phrase. And God wants us to see this. It says that God gave them up. Okay? So start with me in verse 24. Therefore, God gave them up. Skip to verse 26 and find it with me. For this reason, God gave them up. And down on to 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up. Okay, so what does this mean, right? How, how can that be loving? You might be asking all of a sudden. Like, Does this phrase, God gave them up, does it immediately translate to our modern way of saying, did God give up on them? So let's answer that last question with an absolutely not. Okay, God didn't give up on them. So a helpful connection for you from the Old Testament would be the story of, of Pharaoh. Ten times it says that, that Pharaoh hardened his heart towards God. You get this impression that he, that he was white-knuckling his life, his decisions, his power, and he hardened himself towards God. And then the Bible says, and so God hardened his heart. <laughs> I don't know how exactly that works, but that is the conclusive statement. That Pharaoh hardened his heart, and so God hardened his heart. It's this notion that God, God gave him up to his desires. He allowed him to stay there. So just to run to the definition and help us understand this real quick, when it says that God gave them up, it means that he allowed them to pursue their lustful desires of their hearts. He allowed them. Okay, another way to say it and to gain understanding of this is that he removed his restraining ministry. This ministry of common grace 
was removed. He allowed them to pursue their desires. Just to speak to you for a second, friends, you don't want this to happen. This is one of the scariest places to be, right? Let me just speak to you Americans who like love freedom, like land of the free, home of the brave. You don't want to be free from the restraining ministry of our God. The rest of verse 28, look at it with me. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Do you see that with me? So when God gave them up, our depravity is is clearly seen as well as our need for the gospel. So when we suppress the truth, one of the results is that men and women dishonor God with their bodies. I'm going to read it for us just so that you can see and hear from God himself. For this reason, I'm in verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations with those that are contrary to nature. And and the men, likewise, gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. This is the beauty and challenge of expositional preaching. When you go verse by verse through a Bible, a church is forced to deal with the hard passages. We don't want to shy away from them. We don't want to be ashamed of them. We want to be proud of our God and careful how we we deal with them. And so let's deal with this well as a church, okay? Uh, This certainly is a hot topic. But let me say it like this, okay? Ready? This is not a political topic. It's not political. The sin of homosexuality, as written in the scriptures, is dishonoring to God. And everyone must choose to honor God with their body. All right, so let's let's go a little church history channel on you, okay? You, you guys ready for that? We did really well last last time we did this, okay? So early in the, in the early church, there was a false teaching, or, or in church terms, there was a heresy that popped up. It crept in, okay? And it went like this. Ready? The physical and the spiritual, totally separate. The physical, the spiritual, totally separate. And you'd be like, ah, Newman, come on, that's a big deal, right? Here's here's how they thought. And I wrote it in first person to just personalize it, okay? It goes like this. I believe that I can still honor God in my spirit even if I act on every physical desire of mine. Separate, totally separate. Why? Well, God gives me desires. He gave me my body, and He's the creator. The spiritual and the physical are not connected. And besides, I'll get a new body anyways. See, it's creeping in. It's pretty convincing, right? I can do whatever I want with my body. I can still honor the Lord in my heart. And this led people in the early church to cases of drunkenness and gluttony and sexual promiscuity. But honoring God, church, involves both and all the mind and the heart and the body. Like God calls you to not act on every fleshly desire. So church, therefore, we can honor God with our bodies. If you notice, what is not written in this passage is that Paul doesn't take time to argue whether people are or aren't born like this. Isn't that interesting? 
He doesn't spend time doing it. And while I don't believe that there is a homosexual gene, Paul doesn't even mess with that discussion. And church, I think that you'll be spinning your wheels if you engage in that discussion too. Okay? We can have it as a church, um, but Paul doesn't address it here. What Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, or I should just say what God is saying is something like this. Men with men, women with women. This is what happens when a culture refuses to glorify God by suppressing the truth. All of these sins are evidence of people loving themselves rather than God. So if you ask yourself, what is the clearest expression of loving and worshiping self? What's the clearest expression? The answer would be finding someone just like yourself in order to gratify yourself. This is unnatural. So we are designed to worship God and become one flesh in the marriage covenant with an opposite members of the sex, with opposite gender, with the opposite sex, <laughs> right? One commentator said it like this, just as idolatry is a violation and perversion of what God intended, so too homosexual relations are contrary to what God planned when he created man and woman. When you exchange the truth for a lie, you will exchange the natural for the unnatural. If you think this discussion is surprising in a church, could I share with you another surprising phrase in this passage? Like as I was reading it, this one just like popped out to me like, I can't believe this is here. Okay, so let me just phrase it like this. Think of it like this. If you were Paul, how would you prove to humanity that they need Jesus? How would you prove that they do not fulfill the righteous standard, the righteous commands of God, and that they need a righteous son? How would you do it? Certainly you would mention like, Quote, unquote, the major sins, like, hey, make sure you don't do this. But you're doing this, so ha-ha, like, like murder, right? Or in this list, inventors of evil. Man, that sounds like a bad guy, right? All right, I'm going to read verse 29 through 31, and we're going to skip the phrase that most popped out to me. I'll do it a little bit theatrically, okay? Here we go. Follow along with me. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, verse 30. Slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. Skip the next three words because in my mind they shouldn't belong there. Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. What? Hold up, rewind. Are you serious? Disobedient to parents? Unbelievable. But it's in there. It is, I mean, that's in there. God abhors disobedience to parents. He hates it. This would mean that parents should never act casually towards the sin of disobedience with their, with their children. This should mean that kids should be zealous to obey their parents in order to honor God. Disobedience to parents is a big deal. All right, now kids, this is not just a cool verse for us to like read and bring up and go, ah, ha, ha, see, kid, 
So clean your room, right? <laughs> what a great opportunity to get one. Mm -mm. It's, it's not that. Guess what? Hey, kids, all of us in the room got a mom and a dad. I'm a son, too. And guess what? Um, us moms and dads in the room, we disobeyed our parents, too. And guess what? Our parents disobeyed their parents before them. Don't believe me? Here's two stories of my life. When I was six years old, I remember the first time, I probably lied before to my mom and dad, but this is the first time I remember. This is the, first, this is the story that the Lord brought to mind in preparation for this. I remember we were in a Christian bookstore, okay? And I saw the, the, these nail cutters, okay, that had a knife hidden in them. It was like a, a little jackknife nail cutters. And the nail cutters said, praise the Lord on them. Okay. They were, they were really cute. It was like keychain deal. I wasn't allowed to have a jackknife. Okay. And so I saw, I pulled out the knife and went, oh, I want this. Okay. And so I said, Hey mom, can I get these nail cutters? All right. And it was like at the checkout line. I'm sure you all been there, kids. Like, hey, mom, can I have this pack of gum? Hey, mom, can I have this pack of gum? Hey, mom, just sure, right? Then, mom, can I have this nail cutter's name? Right? I didn't actually mention there was a jackknife in there, but I knew I wasn't allowed to have a knife. Did I lie to her? I did. I did. So I get in the car and I said, Mom, could you pass the nail cutters back? Thanks so much for buying me the nail cutters. Right? And I open it up. I go like this. She looks back and she goes, oh, Mike, did you know that there was a knife in there? And I was like, uh-huh. And she took them from me and I was disciplined because I was disobedient to my parents. But that was just when I was a kid, right? That was pre-conversion, right? Uh, 2017. I'm just, this is another, I've sinned since 2017. <laughs> but I remember the first week that our family moved here, right? Uh, we were unpacking. My dad is a leader. He was, he was like telling and giving instructions and he wanted to put a box here. I wanted to put a box there. I was short with him and I sinned against him. I came back to him a couple days later. Dad, I'm just, I need to ask for your forgiveness. I moved here. I want to live near you. I love you. And within a couple hours, I lost it with you. And I am so sorry. Would you please forgive me? Two stories to prove to you, to give evidence that your pastor needs, the, needs righteousness found outside of himself, found outside of my heart, found outside of my strength. I need what Luther called an alien righteousness, someone else to come in and be righteous for me. We are all disobedient to parents. I hope that you see this. And I hope that you see that this leaves mankind hopeless unless God acts. Right? Unless God has a solution. Unless God moves because, because of His wrath. Which hopefully now is not a dirty word to you because of His wrath, because He is holy, because He's pure, because He has anger towards sin, He acted and sent His Son Jesus to actually deal with it. So this Son, He was announced by an angel to a virgin named Mary. And the angel said this, listen to me. The angel said, in your womb is a baby. And I was just thinking, since we're just touching on all the hot topics, look at what God called that child in the baby. 
Isn't that beautiful? Like God said, if there's someone living inside a woman, it's a baby. And it's a life. And I hope that that informs your understanding of the sanctity of life love life, and your understanding of abortion. God thinks that a baby inside the womb is a baby. A life. And to think otherwise is to go against the will of God himself. This son, Jesus, because of the wrath of God, he bore the sins of the world. And he was crucified on a cross. And in that process, he absorbed the anger, the hatred of sin. He absorbed God's wrath. And he satisfied it. And there was this great exchange where he exchanged his holiness and purity for our sin. We read this last week. He became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. And this is our, our great doctrine of substitutionary atonement that he died in our place for our sins. There was a substitution that happened. And so let me say it like this. If you were uncomfortable with the wrath of God in the beginning of this message, oh, I hope that you just embrace it and love it and cherish it and respect it and fear it. Because if there's no wrath, there's no cross. If you don't have the cross, you don't have the atonement. If you, and, and if those aren't true, you are still in your sins. This is the greatest expression of, of God's wrath. It was laid upon Jesus Christ as our substitute. And without it, without the wrath of God, you don't have the love of God. So, friends, if you are an unbeliever in this room, if you're watching online, and if you don't know Jesus, um, I started this message by swearing to you that I would tell the truth. And so here's the truth. Righteousness cannot be attained by your good works. You can't be good enough to get to heaven. Righteousness occurs through faith in Jesus Christ alone. You can't be nice enough. You can't be morally clean enough. If you went through all of the sins in this passage and just tried to be better, you would live a life of exhaustion. If you try to pursue peace by just being good at all these things, you won't get it. And I need to tell you that you are promised eternity. Every human, every person, man, woman, child is promised eternity. But without Christ, you will be separated eternally from God. And so the only way to attain righteous standards or to, in the imagery, to like not be a square peg anymore, how to get in that round hole is to clothe yourself with righteousness. Huh? What do you mean? You must exchange your worship of everything else, especially yourself, to worship the only God. Like You must believe that Jesus Christ died for you, that He loves you, and he, he wants to be your substitute for your sins so that you know God. And if you have not done that, if you have not experienced that exchange from one worship to the only worship, true worship, of worship of spirit and truth, please pray and exchange your worship. Please get down on your knees, bow, and come to Christ. And we want to help you. We'll pray with you. We'll, we'll, we will bend over backwards so that you know 
how to not suppress the truth anymore. Only God can lift that popsicle stick off your tongue. But we want to be agents and we want to help you. To the believer this morning, so if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, this passage has everything to do with you. It really does. Like even though you've been saved from your sins upon placing your faith and trust in Jesus, you can still struggle with some of these sins. So is the church a place for sinners? <laughs> yes. But listen carefully. Repentant sinners. Listen to this old hymn. Come ye sinners, poor and needy, bruised and broken by the fall. Jesus, ready, stands to save you, full of pardon and love for all. Let no conscience make you linger, nor a fitness fondly dream all that he requires of sinners. is to turn and to trust in him. So he is able, he is able, and he is willing, doubt no more. He's able, and he is able, and he is he's willing, doubt no more. So you, you need to come to him today. And your call, your call today is twofold. It's to be a worshiper, and it's to be an evangelist. Let's just talk about those two, and then we'll close up our time together, okay? Let's start with the evangelism side of things. How do you share the truth with people who are suppressing the truth? It's hard. Oftentimes, we look for cool strategies or Maybe just the perfect moment to do it, right? Certainly not at Thanksgiving, though, right? Certainly it takes an incredible amount of prayer and discernment and a lot of relationship miles. you got to log in a lot of time. But in the end, we must share with them how God intends for them to live in the power of the gospel that helps them to live within his intentions. And with those who suppress the truth, you must bring them the truth. So that God can open up their eyes to see, and so that God can open up their ears to hear. The truth, friends, sets them free. Remember how I swore to you to tell the truth? You must tell the truth to them. And to deepen your worship, so that was evangelism. But for you to deepen your worship, the more you understand where you came from, the more you understand the depth of your sin and the capability of your own heart, the higher your worship will go. That's not me, though. I didn't come up with that. That's Luther in The Bondage of the Will. Read it. Remember that your only hope, just as we sang a few moments ago, is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. This text should foster, breed, and produce humility in the life of a believer. And it should thrust you into deep appreciation and worship of the God who saves. Amen. Amen.
the cross is the place where God's wrath and his justice and his love and his mercy meet. Let's pray and let's thank the Lord for that. So we come and we want to see the cross of Jesus where love and mercy meet. We, we God, appreciate fear and, and, and love more all of you. And, and in particular, this morning, your wrath. Lord, forgive us for being casual towards our sin. And we thank you that you were not casual towards sin, but you sent your son Jesus to die for it. Would you help us live a life of righteousness by leaning on and depending on your son, Jesus, who is righteous. So we cling to him. Would you stand with us? Let's respond to God's word through song. If at any moment you need prayer, if you need help, stay after for sure. Head on off to the wings. We'll pray for you. Grab your community group leader. We want to walk with you in your understanding of the word and your love for our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's sing to him.